Hello once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Studio B at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for our Week 7 installment of the Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up on today's show, we'll look back on a Las Vegas setback versus Notre Dame. With the loss, the Cougs drop out of the top 25 polls. This week, it's BYU home to Arkansas in the first ever meeting between these two programs. And we're reviewing and previewing with Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb and Defensive Coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. We start things off with BYU. BYU's assistant head coach, safeties and special teams coach, Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, good to see you once again. That's great. Let's maybe get right to um, the special teams part of the game on, on Saturday and what your game plan was coming into the game when it came to place kickers uh, for kickoffs, PATs, and field goals. How did you want to play it? Uh, we let it play out all week, but uh, certainly felt like that uh, Justin Smith deserved an opportunity to show that if he could be um, the guy for us and so we, we went into the game planning to play uh, Justin on uh, PATs and any field goals inside of the 50 yard range and uh, and then use Jake outside of that and also allow Jake to focus in on, on getting himself back uh, to form on kickoffs which I thought he did a tremendous job of all touchbacks in the game. And some games you go into uh, saying we're going to try and touch it back every time. Sometimes you don't. What was the philosophy going into Saturday that way? Um, yeah, really, uh, we we would like to touch it back all the time. Um, but uh, it, a little bit of wind in the face changes that. Sometimes altitude, humidity changes that. And so we have to be prepared to cover at all times. And so that's really where it, it, where it comes into play is you know, attempting or calling for a touchback, as some, some people might think you do, can backfire when the, when the kickoff coverage team is not ready to cover that, that kick. And so it, it's a little bit of a give and take on uh, philosophically the way to motivate a whole kickoff team. Have you ever schemed for returns, though, to try and get teams in between the goal line and the 25? Uh, we do. Yeah. We put yeah. We can put extra air under it, but we typically will do that when a touchback is not available. So whether that's okay. you know, we're playing at sea level, or we have humidity, or or, the, or we're just not striking it well. And so that's a conversation that me and the kickers uh, have before every game. How how's it going? How's the ball flying? What do you think? Which direction is optimal for us to put air under it? Which direction is optimal to get touchbacks? But if it's there for you, say let it rip and touch it back every time if you can. Then. Yes. Okay. Uh, and he was good on the kickoffs that way uh, Saturday night. So um, we'll get to Justin in a second. But the first play of the game off offensively was, was the INT. First pick for BYU since the USF game. It had been quite a while. We haven't seen a lot of balls like that. Haven't seen a lot of starts to games like that. How did it feel to you as you kind of watch things unfold right off the start there to you? Uh, I thought, yeah, just out of rhythm, out of sync in terms of what, what we saw there on the first play from scrimmage uh, by our offense. Just not, not like us, not a, not a great way to start the game. Um, Love the idea of, of coming out and being aggressive and taking a shot. It just didn't turn out. Uh, you know, uh, Jaron couldn't follow through very well on that. I thought he got the safety looking one way and came back the other. Gunner didn't quite see the ball come out of the hand and, and didn't adjust, and, and, and it was probably a short throw. But... But I love the idea and love the way the defense responded. Came out on the short field and, and forced a, a field goal attempt instead of giving up a touchdown. And so, I, you know, I thought, all right, well, we restart the game here. We're not, we're not down seven um, right off the bat. And, mm -hmm. and a little bit of momentum maybe can, can swing back our way. Kalai said after the game he felt that Jaron was maybe not 100% going in. And I guess you could say that about a lot of players at this time of season. Yeah. Jaron for himself said, no, nah, I was fine. Early in the week I was a little sore, but during the game I was fine. Did you feel like it was a normal Jaron game? Did he look to you like the guy you'd expect him to be? Uh, well, he's had, he's had better games certainly. But I think, you know, I think generally that's – Probably the right answer for the head coach to give when a when a guy doesn't play his best game, and like you said, all all athletes all the time in every sport are not a hundred percent. And so I think Kalani's right, and I'm sure Jaron 
feels right. He, he, he would not put himself, what I know about Jaron Hall is, if he doesn't feel 100% um, ready to lead the team to victory, he will not put himself on the field. So I think, I think they're both right. Let's get back into that game, the, the stage of the game that you, you referenced after the INT. A really nice defensive hold there for BYU forcing the field goal try. It was a good early response to see where your guys were dialed in that way. Yeah, a couple of nice responses, which has been good for us. We, we talked as a whole team about starting faster. The slow starts have been an issue. I thought uh, defensively came out and got that field goal attempt early, get, backed that up with another three and out. And, uh, you know, at that point, um, you know, didn't didn't sustain that type of effort and that type of performance. But to, at, least, at least initially, I thought the defensive guys brought a lot of energy and execution there early with the first two drives. So you're down three nothing early, but then the first, first BYU score is set up by uh, BYU's longest punt return in three years. Hobbs Nyberg, 42-yard return mid-first quarter after a huge punt from Notre Dame. There was some space there, but he had to first of all find the ball, which he did, did a nice job of, and then put, put together a nice return. Yeah, um, you know, Hobbs will get the credit as he, as he should. He did a really nice job of finding some lanes, but I thought the thing that really set it all up was some nice pressure. We had talked about that early in the week, that if you bring pressure in the right places, that uh, Notre Dame will, will stay in with a lot of their protection unit. And then Hobbs was able to make essentially one guy miss and then the, uh, the rest of the punt rush guys got back and did a really good job of picking up some late blocks. Also did a nice job at uh, what we call our gunner control or cornerback positions. They, they were able to block the two main gunners that Notre Dame had, and so we forced some other guys to make a tackle that aren't used to making it. When you were playing, and I, when I was a younger broadcaster, it felt like the returns were a much bigger part of the yeah. game than they are now. That was BYU's only return, punt or kickoff of the game. Notre Dame, meantime, uh, one punt return and then the one return on the free kick after a safety. But traditional kickoff returns and even traditional punt returns are becoming more and more of a rarity these yeah. days. Yeah, the NCAA has taken some of it out in terms of kickoff and kickoff returns, uh, uh, advantageous rules for the kickoff team and, uh, and advantageous rules for the return team to, to fair catch it. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that didn't exist. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the punters, they put so much more air under the ball than they used to. The whole game has gotten bigger and stronger, but the, the, really the football hasn't changed at all, and the field's no bigger, and so, it, it, you know, I think they've taken a lot of that out. I also played with James Dye. Who, <laughs> I, mean, I can remember when we were on the field in a safe defense, we were not trying to set up a return, and he still housed it against Wyoming in 96. So. Yeah, James was exceptional. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first chance on a place kick for you did come after the Cody Epps touchdown, and it came after a delay of game penalty, so it was five yards farther back than normal for Justin. Uh, that's right. Yeah, we we had you know people are going to look at uh, at Isaac Rex, and he'll he'll take a, a piece of blame on himself, I'm sure. But that is a you know anytime a player comes running out there late, that's an embarrassing moment for him. But the, the reality is that that's a, that's a team problem. Our whole sideline needs to be communicating PAT and field goal. Uh, and, and, and above that, we have a PAT and field goal coach that, that should be counting those numbers and, and was and communicating. And then we've got position coaches. If, you're, if your position player is on the field on a special team, you should be alert for that. And, uh, and then, you know, I'm overseeing all of that. And mm -hmm. so I failed. We all failed Isaac in that moment. And uh, it's not just a one-guy mistake, but it was a mistake that I thought led to a, a concentration bust by uh, Justin. And he's a better kicker than that. And so it just, you know, it was, a, it was a steamroll effect. So it takes the focus away in that moment of his task and had to kind of reset. And you felt like that, that that's where it uh, that caused the miss? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think cause is fair. Justin wouldn't tell you that. He came right off the field and said, oh, that's on me. I, I chunked it. And... Um, I think anybody who plays sports can relate relate to that. You just don't always do things perfectly. But 
uh, the fact that um, certainly there's a, there's a concentration difference between running out on the field and executing in the way that we practice every day and then having to go out and figure out, okay, what's the problem here? What happened? Is this guy hurt down? Where's the backup, et cetera? There's a lot going through his mind. And I think the part that Isaac needs to take on himself and that I need to take on myself and any other coaches and, and players on the sideline need to take on their self, that's the key moving forward mm -hmm. is, you know, we all affected Justin a little bit in that situation. How can we be better for our teammate? And he had been perfect on his PATs. He was 11 for 11 uh, for his career. And BYU had last missed a PAT in the Utah game last season. This has been pretty automatic for BYU. As it should be, yeah, and I think as is for most uh, most teams. Usually it's a bad snap or hold. This this one wasn't. It's good snap, good hold, good protection. And um, like I just, just chunked it. I, yeah. I do it all the time, end up. Green side instead. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> um, to what extent do you think are, are the current struggles in the kicking game affecting the team as a whole? If there is an effect on other phases of the game, do you think? Oh yeah, it's a it's a. I, I talk to our whole team about this quite often. It's stacking phases of the game. We talk about getting a, a defensive stand and then a nice special teams punt return or, or something like that, and then an offensive. That's when momentum really starts to steamroll, and so you have a chance on the special teams too to take away momentum after uh, after the other team scores. If we can block a PAT, if, or we can have a great kickoff return after another team scores. You have opportunities to just swing momentum with huge chunks of yardage a lot of times in the special teams. So I think you saw that with us. We, the, the punt return what set us up for our, for our, our best moment early in that game for, mm -hmm. uh, that we had for quite some time. And then we lost a little bit of momentum and, and oh, geez, we're, uh, we just ruined that opportunity there for a point. And it, it could have been, it was huge late in the game. We're driving for the, the tying score with a two-point conversion, and we should have been driving for the winning score with the two-point conversion mm -hmm. if, if Kalani wanted to take that option. Right. Uh, back into the game. Uh, you're leading 6-3 after the missed PAT. Notre Dame then answers, talk about momentum, uh, with a 10-play 75-yard drive. That was kind of a theme, especially in the first half, was the long, time-consuming drives from Notre Dame. They had four consecutive double-digit play possessions in the second and third quarters, each of the drives lasting between five and seven minutes. They scored three TDs on those drives. They got the bang for the buck, and they kept your defense on the field a long time. Yeah, yeah. We, the way we look at it defensively is we kept our defense on mm. the field for a long time, and, and that's the way we want to look at it o offensively for our team. And I'm involved in the, all three phases. We, we have to keep the other offense cold, and defensively we have to get our offense out on the field. And so when you talk about time of possession, it's, it, it's a whole team issue, and special teams can have a huge effect on that as well. Um, so we, we, uh, yeah, we really, we really failed through that uh, second and uh, first and second quarter. Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer, a big part of those long drives. He was all but unguardable on the night. Um, you knew well about him coming in. What was the game plan maybe going in? We'll talk more with Coach Yee about it too. But that was a guy that when they needed a big play, they could go to him, and he, and he came through every time essentially. Um, Yes, uh, he, he, came, he came through for them for the win and a tremendous player. But this is oftentimes when things like this come up, I want to, you know, I want to go, I want to go to a film study session in this show because I know, I know people have that same type of assumption is that, that he, he came through every time. Um, there were times when our players did a really good job. We played zones against him, we played man against him. We knew he would be a problem coming into the game. He won the game for them, and he and he beat us consistently, players and coaches. And I give give him all the credit in the world, but uh, you know I would, that would be taken away from some of what our players and pass rush did. The times when he was targeted and the ball was never thrown, because our guys did do a good job on on those particular plays. It's hard to it's hard to just say simply, yeah, he beat us every time. Sorry, not 
be disagreeable there. No, I, I get it. He, he, first of all, he didn't catch every target, and right. he wasn't targeted every time because you actually did the job. Yeah, that, yeah. There were there were some times when when the boys came through, and, and of course we would I would want to recognize that when we're talking in that context. But that said, and and we're talking about an opponent. Uh, if you see him playing in the NFL for a few years, it won't be a surprise. He's got really great uh, abilities. He, he was outstanding. The the two that he beat us in in man to man. One of them was a, a four man rush. One of them was a blitz man to man. Um, and Micah Harper had really tight coverage. We had uh, pretty good pressure on the quarterback. Quarterback stood in there and delivered a great football that only could be caught by, by uh, their tight end. And, th and then the tight end caught the back end of the ball, which is always mm. a, a tremendous um, skill asset and concentration and, and shows strong hands and soft hands at the same time. He did a great job. So you get to halftime, you're trailing, uh, but with very few yards, but also very few plays again. It was similar to the Utah State game the week before. It was, man, the offense was barely out on the field. It was 19 snaps at Utah versus Utah State, I think 21 against Notre Dame. You're averaging 20 snaps per half. That's almost not enough time to get your offense into a game plan. Um, yes. Again, uh, you know, if you're asking me as, as uh, one of our offensive players and staff members, I'm saying we can't have one-play drives. We had a, a one-play drive where we threw an interception. We had a one-play drive where we took a safety. Right. That's a piece of it. As a defensive coach, and, and I work most closely with the defense, it's we've got to have more three and outs. We've got to get off the field in better field position. As a special teams coach, I'm saying we have to supplement. Just like our early score was off of a great punt return, we need more of those. We need, we need block punts. We need great kickoff returns. We, we have to do things to help each other as a team because it's, it's the ultimate team game because, it's, because on the field, you actually aren't all out there together. Mm -hmm. and that's why it's the ultimate team game is because you say, this is my offense and we've got to win this thing together or this is my defense, etc. And, uh, and, we, and, and as a whole team, we've got to do a better job of keeping the offense on the field to score. The term you used a little while ago with me was uh, stacking. You need to stack these components together to, to, to get the flywheel rolling. That's right. Exactly. That's right. And, and when, you know, what it, an example of that would be if the defense is out there for 10-plus plays and gets a stop inside, the, inside our, our own end, well, that's good, but it's not the best thing we could do. The best thing we could do would be three and out and, and give us field position in the right uh, spot. And so every, every player on the team, every coach on the staff, whether you, you lose by 40-something uh, you know, to 40-something or you lose by a low-scoring game or a medium-scoring game like we did, every player on the team and every coach owns the loss. Just to piggyback off what you just said, one of the stats that I, I, I like to look at in college football is average starting field position for that reason because it is a three-phase stat. Yes. Every phase contributes to where you start your drives, and the closer you are to the goal line, the more points you're going to score. So it's, 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 it's a notable note, uh, but it's, they all contribute to it. It's not just one phase that gets you good field position. Absolutely. Love those type of stats that really speak to the whole team. Average starting field position, turnovers, takeaways. Yeah. That turnover-takeaway battle is another one. Okay, time for a short break. And a reminder that uh, BYU football with Kalani Sitake airs tomorrow night and every Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. We have a live studio audience across the hall over in Studio C. I'll have the seat request link on my Twitter feed today. You can go there to get your seats, and we'll see you in Studio C tomorrow night. Coming up after this break, how BYU got back in the game with Notre Dame with a much better second half of football Saturday in Las Vegas. Plus, we'll get players of the week as the coordinator's corner continues. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more Coach Lamb after this. The punt away from the goal line. Hammered this one. Hammered it. Back at the 33 of BYU. Nyberg makes the catch. Gets past the first Irish tackler. 45. He's got midfield. He's got 45. He's got 40 and 35. 30 and nearly the 25-yard line. Hobbs Nyberg. 
right, to BYU now 4-2 and two on the season after a 28-20 loss in Las Vegas Saturday night at Allegiant Stadium. Irish win for a seventh time in nine meetings with BYU. It's been uh, hard for the Kooks to score against Notre Dame. They've never scored more than 23 in any game against the Irish and Saturday. Uh, 20 uh, wasn't enough on this night. You love to get to the 24-point number. Kind of a plateau that's kind of held over years. Coach Lamb has scored 24 or more. You give yourself about a 90% chance to win um, overall. And uh, it's just been, I mean, that's a quality program. Tougher sledding against a team like that. That's right, yeah, and, and that's something we don't we don't uh, talk about a lot. That twenty four, because I think sometimes it can kind of separate an offense and a defense. Well, we we uh, mm. you know, we held them to twenty three. Why didn't we win? You know mm. that kind of a thing. But it, it's a, it is a really good uh, a benchmark for our, for an offense and defense, and and we were close on both ends, and that's why I think the team came away feeling like, well, we let one slip away. We got to play better, but uh, you know we were we uh, were a team that fought to yeah. the end. Proceeding two games against Wyoming and Utah State, 10-plus penalties, only one penalty in this game. Um, Kalani said the mistakes showed up maybe, though, in other parts of the game in terms of just not being sharp enough, and it wasn't just all about penalties. Yeah, that's, that's how a coach should view it. There's um, certainly we're, we're not uh, expecting to play a perfect game, and so we want to just focus on the things that we can get better at. Um, in prior weeks, we really had put a, an emphasis on, on cl playing a cleaner game, and I thought we did that, especially the, the goofy penalties, you know, pressing on somebody's helmet or throwing a shoe or things like that. That's a, there's that's just no there's no place for that in football, and it costs your team. We cleaned that area up, and but there's still still plenty to work on. We feel like we have a, a good enough team to win, and so when we don't win, we we, we want to mm. focus in on what we uh, as coaches need to get better at, uh, what we need what we need to do better, decide better, scheme better, strategize better, and also teach better. Maybe similar to the Oregon game, Notre Dame controlled the middle eight. Uh, they scored a touchdown on their final drive of the first half, first drive of the second half, take an 18-6 lead to 25-6. So tough start to the second half, but again, we'll get to the response, which I know you're really proud of. Yeah, really, yeah, exactly. It's a... Um, that, that middle eight is an important uh, momentum piece, and, and the reason why we talk about that, and a lot of teams right now are talking about that, is that can, sometimes you take a close game and, and then lose that middle eight and it becomes a blowout. And that's what I'm uh, so proud of the, the boys with, is they, they just didn't flinch. Or another way to say it, another sports analogy, uh, boxing, they picked themselves up off the mat when nobody gave them a chance to hang in that game. And, and we had three chances there at the end of the game with the ball to get the winning or tying score and, and weren't able to get it done. But that, you know, in terms of the context of what we're talking about now, mm -hmm. the mental toughness, I really like the mental toughness issue, uh, aspect. And, and the comeback started with uh, the big play TD to Cody Epps midway through the third. And we just see him growing week by week uh, into a more and more uh, integral part of this BYU offense. He's been tremendous. He has. He's got, he's a great, um, He's what I call a balance player. We haven't talked about this as a staff. Maybe Fessy would disagree with me, but um, Fessy was a, a player for me at Southern Utah and always played the game with tremendous balance. And so his catch radius was big. He was never wrong footed. He was never off. He makes the quarterback look so accurate. And I see a lot of that in Cody. Hmm. Um, and I, I think that Fessy has, has saw that really that potential in Cody as a recruit and as a player before maybe other guys on our staff felt like he would be such a main player. I credit those two for you know developing uh, Cody into a great player. And he's got a long career ahead of him here at BYU. He's yeah. he, he's a I'll call, I call him a veteran freshman because he got here a couple of years ago, but he's really seeing his first you know real season of action. That's right. Yeah, he's uh, that yeah, COVID year get, kind of gave him an extra year so to speak, and um, really proud of him. And he's a he's a great teammate, um, great guy to have in our locker room and on the field. And so we always cheer a little extra harder for mm. these guys that can bring up the the play of those around them. 
It became a 12-point game at that point, then a defensive three and out at a really huge time. That, that's when I kind of sensed that, that, that the tide began to turn. It was a three and out. It wasn't just a stop. It was a three and out, which was kind of rare. And then the offense got right back on it. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That was uh, everybody on our sideline. The energy, the, uh, the BYU fans in the stadium took over for a minute. It was, it was, it was like Cougar Nation said, okay, we've got, we have a chance here. We've created a chance. Mm -hmm. Let's finish this thing. And the uh, touchdown early in the fourth quarter following this really impressive three and out. And, and again, the volume in the building, the, the sense and the vibe was that uh, the Cougars were on the comeback trail. And then the Cougars punch a, a touchdown in early in the fourth quarter. Uh, Chris Brooks with a nice run. And suddenly it's a whole new ball game, 25-20 with a quarter to go. It was, it was on. That's right. Yeah, it was a restart of the game almost, uh, essentially. And, and uh, just felt, I think our, our players felt really good about each other in that moment. Offensively, defensively, special teams. The guys were playing around. Just, hey, appreciate your fight. Let's go. Then it was a Max Tooley INT, and the wave even crested more. It felt like that was really going to happen. Uh, there was a drop ball on a play that you kind of wanted to have, and, and there might have been a penalty that could have been called on that same play. But on the ensuing Notre Dame drive, you needed to keep the Irish out of the end zone. They still have a shot, and you did, it, and you did that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're talking about the, the Tooley interception? After the Tooley interception, it was a drop ball. They got the ball back, Notre Dame did, and they had to settle for a field goal, keeping it a one-score game. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, kept yeah, them out of the end zone. I thought it was solidified there in the red zone. Overall, one of the, one of the bright spots was red zone defense, which mm. is an area that we had targeted for improvement coming into the game, and the players worked really hard at it. I thought that, that, you know, that was one of the things that kept the score down, even though the, the total yardage stats and the time of possession really favored Notre Dame. The score, the score was kept lower because of some... Um, key opportunity plays there in the red zone. So possession time, and possession time can be a skewed stat because it's what you do with your time, not necessarily just the time itself. But there are some instances where if the gap is too wide, pure time does make a difference. And it was 40 minutes, 41 minutes to 19 minutes, basically, in possession time. And 27 more plays to defend than Notre Dame had to defend. That's about another, that's a lot of extra football. I yeah. say extra football you had to play kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's, a, it's sustaining drives on offense and not sustaining them, uh, you know, or getting, helping the other team not to sustain drives when they're on offense. That's, that's where we failed. Um, Got to do a better job offensively and defensively of getting that, not so much time of possession, but number of plays maybe, or the, the, the sustaining of drives, or keeping ourselves hot by being on the field, mm -hmm. making their offense go a little bit colder by staying on the field, and, and vice versa on defense, trying to make that occur. Okay. That's the final score from Saturday night. Let's get to our players of the week, and we'll start, Coach Lamb, with your wheelhouse, uh, special teams. Who did you like from Saturday? Um, we gave the uh, overall the top block, something that we work on each, each week as the, in the punt return and kickoff um, return games. We gave those to the, the punt return team as a whole. There was a lot of good clips to show. I'll be showing that to the rest of the team later on. Okay. Uh, Britt Hogan, as the player of the game, he um, has quietly come in uh, while Austin Riggs has been hurt and just delivered on-point snap after on-point snap. And so a really nice job by him. And then in the coverage game, Chris Jackson racked up a lot of coverage points. He forced some fair catches by their punt returner. They had a really dangerous punt returner. Uh, I thought Chris and our punter did a really good job. And then uh, Carter Krupp and Keenan Peely made some key tackles as well during the game on coverage. I asked you last week how Britton Hogan was doing as the backup snapper. And he says, well, have you been, said, have you been talking about him? If not, the answer is he's been doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that played into my mind. Maybe somebody <laughs> should be talking about him in a more positive way. <laughs> Offensive player of the week from Coach Aaron Roderick came in. And uh, Coach Arod chose uh, Cody Epps, who we just talked about a minute ago. This is the second straight week that Cody Epps wins the award from Coach Roderick. That's right. And again, uh, the, the, for me, I mean, it's tremendous to see him putting up the numbers, but he raises the play of, of everybody around him because of his, his attitude, his approach, 
Um, you know, he's, he's got a, a, a really positive energy at all times in the building, on the practice field, et cetera. Yeah, I, I was, I'm glad you referenced kind of the off-the-field part of it because uh, we only got to have him in for the Satake show one week, but the personality, uh, just the astute, he's just a sharp kid, really like him. He sure is. Yeah, he's, he's a he's a fit, you know, and, and uh, at BYU, a lot of times we, we, we kind of lean on that sometimes as a crutch. Well, we have a we have a small pool of fits at uh, BYU, but he's uh, not LDS, didn't grow up in this area. And, and yet he's a perfect fit, in my opinion, for what BYU is looking for. And he volunteered this on the show. I didn't ask about it. But he says, you know what, as someone who's not uh, of the LDS faith, I just I just love how welcome I've felt here. And he just seemed really happy to be in this spot. So I'm happy for him. Yeah, he's appreciative yeah. of a Christ centered approach. Yeah. And uh, that, that's a fit. Yeah, absolutely. All right, time for a break. As we take this time out, a reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan and Harriman. This weekend, BYU hosting Arkansas in their first ever meeting. Tune in for Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio starting at 1.30 Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Mountain Time this Saturday. Coming up next, closing comments with special teams coordinator Ed Lamb. The coordinator's corner continues after this. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Taking his drop is Hall. Goes deep down the middle. Wide open as Cody Epps makes the catch. 25-20, 15-10-5. He's going in. Touchdown! 53-yard scoring strike. Jaron Hall to Cody Epps. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, visiting with BYU Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb, 4-2 BYU taking on 3-3 three three Arkansas this Saturday afternoon at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We see Cody Epps in the clip, uh, fellow wide receiver Gunnar Romney, um, Kalani Sitake in his press conference this hour, uh, confirming that uh, Gunnar had some, uh, just some testing at an area hospital after leaving the game on Saturday night, but that uh, he returned home, did not spend the night, uh, as had been reported, and uh, is, uh, he's hoping that he'll be available to you as soon as this week. That's good news on Gunner. Yeah, we fully expect him to. That's just a uh, it was a precautionary measure to make sure that his previous injury didn't it didn't reoccur and it did not. So he's I think he's good to go. Okay. All right. Uh, halfway through the regular season now, six games through twelve regular season games. Um, I, I get grading becomes kind of a cliche thing to, to to look at. But how do you view the first half of the regular season for BYU? Well, I, I, right now, I mean, it's 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 too soon after a very disappointing loss for me to probably intelligently answer that question. Um, I'm I'm completely immersed in, um, in Arkansas, preparing for Arkansas, and the things that we immediately have to get better at. Uh, you know, it, it, and in my order, it's it's you know special teams and then defense and, and then and then whatever small part I have. In our offense, which is which is small, but uh, you know I do look at the whole team at all times, and I think there's a lot of areas where we can just where we can be a lot better. I think that we can finish with a fantastic season, one that BYU fans can be proud of. Most importantly, our coaches and players can be proud of. But we've got work to do, and a lot of it. Okay, Arkansas is coming up, and uh, KJ Jefferson becomes the player to analyze and and and, and monitor. He lo- uh, missed the last game with a concussion. Uh, the coach's expectation to be back at practice today. We shall see if he gets cleared to play. And uh, he is a special quarterback akin to uh, Jaron Hall in terms of how important he is to his team. 
He's definitely important to his team. Reminds me of, uh, you know, just another SEC quarterback that ran a similar offense in the same fashion, but Cam Newton. It's, it, it all revolves around his ability to run the ball downhill right at the defense. He's, he's big bodied, he's got a lot of speed. They've got a backup quarterback that does the same thing, can really hurt you with his, with his legs. And then offensively, their, their system is designed to, to have a high completion percentage at the same time and uh, be able to get the ball quickly out on the perimeter and into space, taking some occasional shots and keep you honest. It's a really big challenge for our defense. SEC Challenge coming in this Saturday. It'll be an afternoon kick at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Coach Lamb, good to be with you as always. Thank you for the time. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Greg. All right, that is Coach Ed Lamb. Get expanded pregame coverage of BYU's game against Arkansas this Saturday. It's BYU Sports Nation game day, 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up next, we'll hear from BYU defensive coordinator Eli Satuiaki. This is the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU now 4-2, and two, unranked this week after spending the first five weeks of the season in the polls. BYU coming off a 28-20 setback to Notre Dame in Las Vegas on Saturday, hosting Arkansas this Saturday afternoon. We begin the second half hour of today's show with BYU's defensive coordinator and defensive tackles coach Eli Satuiaki. Coach E, welcome back in. Thank you. Well, what did you think the defense would be able to do well against Notre Dame when you headed down there? You know, I, uh, you know, it's Notre Dame. You know that they're they're a tough team. They got good players, and and uh, uh, you know, we just wanted them to battle. Um, there's a there's a bigger game plan probably for more takeaways in the pass game. I uh, thought that we missed out on some of the opportunities there. More of just kind of staying front on the quarterback and getting some tip balls. Uh, we got one, but I uh, thought that there were more opportunities. And then we knew going in, and I think they knew going in with a, with a quarterback that they were still breaking in a couple games in. Um, it was about stopping the run, and uh, you know the boys battled. And you know, as, as, as I was watching the game film, it was just um, a lot of. Uh, uh, not, I don't. I don't know if the word's cringy, but hmm. it, it was really um, the physicality of the game. It was uh, even for myself to watch. I mean, there was there was a lot of physicality going on. There's a lot of banging and um, appreciation for for the boys. Uh, you know, working hard. It was it was a really really physical game. Um, with the physical line of really good running backs. So when you say cringe, you don't mean cringeworthy is in bad. You mean wincing, like that's a hard-hitting game. Wince is the yeah. word. Wince, yeah. I, I didn't know if yeah, it's it's wincing. It's uh, even for myself, you know. It's uh, you're watching it, and and uh, it definitely was an appreciation mm. for just the effort, and it never disappeared. I mean, it was it was the whole times, even when we were down and we needed needed uh, needed to fight back on offense and come back and get some stops. I mean. Um, the, the, the boys just played super, super tough and super hard. And, you know, we didn't come over with the win, um, but, uh, but appre definitely appreciated after the game just the amount of effort and physicality and willingness, right? Mm. Like willingness to put their body in, in harm's way to, to try to win a game. BYU allowed 5.2 yards per rush from Notre Dame, but on the flip side, you have to look at the flip side too, BYU gained 5.4 yards per rush against Notre Dame. Yeah. It went both ways. It did, and you know there was the um, in the four-minute drill they had the longest run of the day, which I think was 46 yards, um, and and it was uh, it was it was a missed tackle, and so it's uh, feel like uh, feel like you come away with just making uh, you know better technical uh, sound tackles in those situations. You're you're holding them under 200, 
with as many times as they ran the ball, but you know, obviously it wasn't that case. And yeah. um, I thought that their backs were just phenomenal players, especially in the, you know, that that third down run where uh, Talon Alfred comes down the alley to make the play. I mean, he 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 put his body on the line and he went to go make that play. And and their running back just uh, he he just did a really really phenomenal hurdle move and, and got the first down um, or didn't whatever it was. It was just I thought the, their backs ran hard. Um, and they and they ended up making making more plays than we did. What was your scouting report on that new quarterback for the Irish, uh, Drew Pine, and what did he show you that maybe you hadn't seen on film? Yeah, you know, I I thought that uh, he was he was t- I mean he was a tough kid. We we got to him and we hit him, and there were a couple of those those times where he fit the ball in there um, right as he was getting thrown and was and just did a phenomenal job. And so um you know we didn't do a good enough job executing the game plan felt like we needed to be better about just staying more frontal yeah that play right there where he tosses him you think you got a sack i thought they had a sack yeah, yeah and the, the guy that he threw it to was one that came and, and cut blocked batty and batty avoided it and and he got back up and that ball is just one of those one of those tough plays and so um you know, he did a phenomenal job just sitting in the pocket and you know in the drop baits and so as we talked about it on on the headset okay you know drop eight early was good a drop eight on that long yardage. Um, we we came out of our zones, started ch- chasing routes, which which uh, ended up giving them a hole. And so we said, okay, let's not do that anymore. Let's go back and we'll let's, let's run this pressure with that, run that pressure, and and it didn't hit. And we went to another pressure, and so um, and he, we did hit him, but he got the ball off on, in yeah. a phenomenal way, and and uh, put the ball where only the receiver can catch it. And their their tight end was just uh, an amazing player, and I think you know the whole world knows because he's, yeah. he's a projected first rounder and is just a phenomenal player, but. Um, you know, it, they made plays um, when they needed it, and that was probably the frustrating thing as we look at it. it was third downs, um, come out of some of those third downs, and we're, and we're out of drives, we're getting the ball back, but they converted too many of the third downs, um, and we needed to get off the field. We saw that you almost got home on Pine there, but as it turns out, no official sacks of him. The only two losses on the year are the two games, the only two games you haven't had a sack. Uh, didn't get to Oregon's guy Bo Nix either. It's not the only part of the game, clearly, but it's a factor, right, when, when you're not able to get home on, on a quarterback, at least occasionally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's got to be a, uh, a little bit of uncomfortability for the for the quarterback, but um, you know, the, the times that we did hit him and, and the times that we did uh, hurry him, um, I just thought that he was he he played really really poised for a for a backup quarterback and um, you know the games that we had seen with him playing against Cal uh, playing against North Carolina I, you you could tell that there was a little bit of a leash on him from the coordinator but um, you know the coordinator cut him loose and he did a really good job I thought in this game and obviously just the, the back and forth with stopping the run and all that just gives you an opportunity to. To, uh, to open up the pass game. There's more to pressure than simply sacks. You look at a lot of different factors when talking about havoc or creating defensive havoc. What, why has it been hard maybe to, for BYU to cause as much havoc as you'd like to see them cause so far this year, if that's indeed the case? Yeah, or, or, or are you kind of walking a fine line on that right now? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's so much more complex. It's hard for me to speak in the language of, of uh, havoc being, being just hits on the quarterback. I mean, it's, it's really, I think we talked about it before about, about uh, trying to get into um, um, third and six plus where now your first down call, your second down call, um, what they're doing comes into it a lot because you don't, you don't just call anything. It's what personnel grouping are they in? Uh, what's the game plan? What are they doing? How can you try to get a TFL, put them in a longer situation? So um, I thought, that, like I said, I thought that there were, there were opportunities for, for us to get off on third downs. 
which uh, for me, as we look at it and uh, look at the stats, there's, there's some TFLs happening or just some good run stops happening on first and second down or incompletes or whatever the case is to get you in those situations, but we just didn't come away with enough uh, third downs for us to, to get off the field and get the ball back for our offense. Yeah, the offense ranks 118th right now in possession time. That means a lot of time for the defense to be on the field. And this Saturday, the defense was on the field for more than two-thirds of the football game, more than 40 minutes. Yeah, the, 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 the series of play in the first half was just was, was a little tougher. You know, we lost the coin flip and go out on D, or, or, and we, we received the ball and um, the pick right out the gate just, just put us in a situation that uh, was a little bit tougher. But I thought the boys bowed up and we, we, we held them to a field goal. Um, and then, uh, you know, kind of the back and forth before, before the long drive, fourth mm -hmm. down stop, and then uh, the safety. You know, yeah. we, basically, we were on a 10 play drive came out with a fourth down stop and then gave it up on the safety and back up on the field for another 10 play drive. It was just, it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of snaps, too many snaps for the defense. But again, um, you know, uh, obviously the offense is working to, uh, to uh, convert their third downs and we've got to get off of the field and third down opportunities that we get. And I think there are several of those that were manageable um, that uh, we, we just, we just ex didn't execute and they did. But there were some really good responses on the night, whether it's right after the pick or whether it's holding them on fourth down near your goal line or whether it's getting a three and out as you're making the comeback effort. There were times when this defense really just stood up, I thought. I, I thought they played hard all night. And, uh, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, you get into some of these games and the personality of the game starts to go one direction where the offense may be, may be struggling that night and uh, uh, the defense, you know, put in bad situations. I, I thought the boys played hard. And, you look at it and you wish that you wish that you would have won the game just for the, the effort that they put in alone. You know, like I said, just the physicality of it and the willingness to sacrifice their body in order to make plays. Um, but, uh, you know, the, Notre Dame wanted the same thing and they obviously uh, executed better than we did. You mentioned third downs. Uh, Notre Dame was six for nine on third in the first half. They go 11 for 16 in the game. And, and a lot of the third down targets were going to tight end Michael Mayer. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and he was a monster all night long. Yeah, he he did. I mean, we knew coming in he was going to be a really good player. Um, uh, we had we had several conversations, just different things that we we were going to do and try, and um, you know, and you know, between all the pressures, between the drop eights, between um, changing up some of the mans, even we we ended up switching later on and never really got an opportunity to run it. But um, one of the basically Robert mans where the safety's no longer playing the post and he's going to steal any crossing route. But even then, some of the routes that were run. Um, you know, they were, they were just really well executed and, and balls that were dropped right in there. And as Coach Lamb said with us in the first half hour, yeah, Mayer was a phenomenal, but yet there were, there were times, and you'll be able to go back and see it on film, where you did what you wanted to do to prevent a target going to him. Uh, that, that happened as well on the night. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, the, the game is about uh, players, and the game is about trying to stop, stop the best player. And, you know, he, he went off on, on a couple of those. We gave a couple of them, too, like uh, – you know that drop eight where he ended up finding him really, really late. Mm -hmm. um, you know we had to have more relishing rushes from the three-man front, and we uh, the touchdown that we gave up the first one was just um, you know it was just a, um, a play by a young by a, by a young player that just um, should have known better. I mean, we should have coached it better, but it was it wasn't anything that was uh, spectacular. It was just somebody that just blew a coverage. Okay, when you got to halftime, we, by the way, this the second quarter. The defense was on the field for 12 minutes and 22 seconds of the 15 minutes the second quarter. Essentially, the entire quarter, you were on, you were on D. When you got to the locker room, what, what was kind of your thought down 18 to 6? Uh, felt, felt, like, um, felt like it was important for us to just continue to encourage 
um, and uh, you know get them to play hard. And, and there wasn't any quit in them when we went to the locker room to talk. It was more about, hey, what's uh, what are you seeing out there? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? Um, as well as uh, some of the adjustments that we had and started to come to in the second half is just, uh, do you think do you think this is going to work? Should we go? Should we come out of this? And so. The discussion was there. Love the input from them. Looking into their eyes, felt like there wasn't any quit, and uh, there wasn't, you know, going into the second half. And um, you know, it was a little, little too, little too late. Really, is what it ended up being. But um, really appreciated that there was just fight in their eyes when we came to the locker room. It was um, no blame. You know, that's that's one of the things also that could end up hitting a team is. You know, you're playing hard and you're you're doing this, but you're just like those guys are doing that. But it's, it wasn't it wasn't ever like that. It was it's all about us sticking together as a team. Everybody knows that they've they've got their their part that they need to do, um, and we needed to get the ball back and get some stops. Was the name of the game. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, wasn't anything that was that that turned negative. And that's one of the things Coach Rod and I have talked about just in the past. There was a an interview from a, a head coach that said that was going through basically a two game uh, skid. And uh, said, well, we can't let the language, um, you know, the offense, defense weaponize mm. against each other. It's it's very important that we stick together, and I think that's what the players did in the in the locker room. All right, heading into the break. A reminder to watch after further review tomorrow, seven o'clock Eastern time on the BYU TV app, as Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, and David Nixon break down this past week's game. When we come back, more with BYU defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki as the coordinator's corner continues. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more from Coach E after this. Pine, clean pocket, deflected ball, and intercepted by the Cougars! It's a takeaway at the 16-yard line! We're on a field for interception. First down. A deflected ball. And Max Tooley, with his third interception of the season, takes it away for the Cougs. Back on the coordinator's corner, visiting with BYU defensive coordinator and D-tackles coach Eli Satuiaki. Cougs now 4-2 and two on the season after Saturday's setback in Las Vegas. Notre Dame outlasting BYU 28-20 at Allegiant Stadium in front of almost 63,000 fans, lots of them in BYU blue. Uh, the middle eight gets discussed. Final four minutes, first half. First four minutes, second half. They scored touchdowns on both of those drives. And it was kind of like you had to start on D in both halves. <laughs> With the pick coming early, you were defending the starts of both halves. Um, they make it a 25-6 ball game, and the theme was long drives. They weren't just scoring. They were scoring on long drives. There were a number of those on the night. Yeah, yeah those, and again, going back to third downs, there's opportunities for us to get out of those, but those, those long drives that end up in touchdowns, there's just, uh, you know, there's opportunities to get out of them. They did a phenomenal job. The, the, the two-minute drive, the one before halftime, I just thought, that was a heck of, I mean, it was actually underthrown. It was a heck of a play by the receiver to, to come over the top of, uh, of our defender and, and, and make that one. That was, yeah. that was tough. But in the second half, I mean, there was a big emphasis put on, on uh, us just coming out and trying to get a stop, which we didn't do. But, um, uh, you know, the boys, boys continued to battle and, and uh, kept, uh, kept playing hard. You made it a one-score game. And then when Max Tooley makes that pick we just saw, probably thinking we're going to win this game. The, the, it was it was that, that was the pick. There was 11 minutes left. And then we actually um, then we actually uh, um, we we'll give up a long run, um, and Judy Judy gets gets him tackled down inside the 10, and we come up with a with a field goal. And so now we're down eight with still an opportunity to to come and tie it. And, and so still there was there was a belief the whole night just that we were gonna we were gonna come come out of it at least go to overtime and 
and uh, make a win out of it. Notre Dame converted a final third and four, close one in the final two minutes to kind of put it away. Um, but man, I, again, that was a game where BYU felt like despite the struggles and the unevenness of the plays and time and everything else, you were going to be right there. Yeah, a great fight. Yeah, it, it was. There was there was no lack of fight, and uh, you know, again, you wish you wish we would have won it just for the, the effort they put into it, but. Um, you know, it's uh, we, we make the corrections. I mean, there's so much, so much to correct off of film. I'm sure offensively, defensively, and, and on special teams. But um, even with all those, all all the mistakes, there's just there was still a chance. And um, I think that's one thing that you can you can take out of that. But um, love the way that they played all the way to the end. I know that they appreciated all the fans that came out, and it was loud when we were on the field yeah. on defense. Didn't know if that was going to be the case. Uh, going to an away game like that, but it was. It was uh, the, the fans came out and super loud. No defensive penalties on the night for BYU, which is a good thing. We need and, and we need more takeaways. And you just keep keep playing with. Uh, I think uh, you look at it for us overnight o- over the night. It was really um, better technique, just better technique. I thought the adjustments were good. The boys uh, responded, but just better technique gives us more opportunity to come off the come off the field as well as uh, get more takeaways. Okay, your two defensive players of the game from Saturday night are? Uh, Keenan Peely and uh, John Nelson thought that uh, they were just very consistent. And obviously, when it comes to corner play and D-line play, sometimes those guys don't have the most stats. But uh, the way that they played, I mean, obviously Keenan's just been so consistent, just been a leader for us and done done really well uh, in the things that we've asked. And John Nelson just uh, uh, played lights out uh, game for himself. Thought it was a really, really good game for him. Considering the things that we're asking him to do. Okay, thank you, Coach. Time for a break. When we come back, I'll look ahead to BYU and Arkansas with Coach Tuiaki. As we break, we remind you that for your daily Cougar Sports play by play, tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern Time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. You're in the coordinator's corner. It's brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more from Coach Tuiaki right after this. Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV is brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, Built Bar, Fuel the Journey, and by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Here in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, wrapping up today's show with BYU's defensive coordinator, Eli Satuiaki. This Saturday, it's BYU in Arkansas. Razorbacks have lost three in a row after a 3-0 start. Tough, tough schedule. Uh, Arkansas losing in a rout at Mississippi State on Saturday. Uh, they played without their starting quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, remarkable player, and the thought is he could be back in time for you guys. So I think you're probably planning as if he'll play. Is that your thought? Yeah, yeah. We, we've, we've watched some of the interviews from their head coach as well as their offensive coordinator, and uh, he had a chance to come back and play this last week for them, and they just decided to, to hold him. And so I think we'll definitely see him this, this week. Okay. Uh, what makes him special? Uh, ability to run and throw. I mean, anytime that you face a quarterback that's a dual threat like that and, and, and has been in the offense and runs the scheme and, and knows what the expectation is, I mean, those, those guys are you know, obviously veteran kids are, are, are tough to defend. And so, um, you know, he's, he's, got, he's got all the tools. The only teams that run more frequently in terms of rush attempts per game are the three service academies. So you know what Arkansas wants to do. Yeah, it's, uh, this is going to be a this is going to be a physical game, and um, it's going to again another game that comes down to just uh, stopping the run and finding creative creative ways to to uh, play them. And really, when we were watching film, it's all, it really is just a lot of thought of. Um, do we play these guys like a service academy because mm. of just the way that they run the ball, they run the quarterback, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's really, really tough defending schemes like this. 
Okay, one last thought for you. Um, the, the Oregon loss was one thing. The Notre Dame loss, it felt different, didn't it? I mean, did, did, did the two games feel different in terms of how they turned out and what, what your guys showed in each game? Uh, at least on the defensive side, I'd probably speak more to that. Uh, did did feel like um, maybe there's a um, yeah yeah there's there's never there was never any doubt in our minds all the way mm -hmm. to the end that we were going to come back and win it. Um, thought in the Oregon game maybe we we're probably just uh, looked. Uh, like the game, the game, the moment it was just too big for us at the time. So not the case this past week, though. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, coach, uh, appreciate the feedback and the uh, the contributions from you every week, and we'll see you again here next week. Thank you. All right. That is Coach Eli Tuiaki. That'll do it for our Week Seven edition of the Coordinators Corner. For Coaches Lamb and Tuiaki, my name is Greg Grubel. We will remind you that it's BYU in Arkansas with an 11:30 a.m. radio and TV pregame, and then a 1:30 kick from Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Back-to-back -back daytime games, by the way, the week next at Liberty. It will also be a 1:30 p.m. Mountain Time kick. We found that out today. All right. For the coaches, I'm Greg Grubel. Have a great week. Go Cougs.